Welcome to the Words That Minister Grace podcast. In this podcast, we read excerpts from books that the host finds edifying. Expect to hear from authors such as Matthew Henry, John Calvin, and J.C. Ryle. We take our name from Ephesians 4.29, where Paul exhorts us that our speech should build up each other, or as the King James says, minister grace. I am your host, the fake King Hesse. In this episode, we continue our reading of Calvin's Institutes, Book 2, Chapter 8. We will be reading Section 2 through 4. 2. It is now easy to understand the doctrine of the law, viz. that God, as our Creator, is entitled to be regarded by us as a Father and Master, and should, accordingly, receive from us fear, love, reverence, and glory. Nay, that we are not our own to follow whatever course passion dictates, but are bound to obey him implicitly and to acquiesce entirely in his good pleasure. Again, the law teaches that justice and rectitude are a delight, injustice and an abomination to him, and therefore, as we would not with impious ingratitude revolt from our Maker, our whole life must be spent in the cultivation of righteousness. For if we manifest becoming reverence only when we prefer his will to our own, it follows that the only legitimate service to him is the practice of justice, purity, and holiness. Nor can we plead as an excuse that we want the power and like debtors whose means are exhausted are unable to pay. We cannot be permitted to measure the glory of God by our ability, whatever we may be, he ever remains like himself, the friend of righteousness, the enemy of unrighteousness. And whatever his demands from us may be, as he can only require what is right, we are necessarily under a natural obligation to obey. Our inability to do so is our own fault. If lust, in which sin has dominion, so enthrails us, that we are not free to obey our Father, there is no ground for pleading necessity as a defense, since this evil necessity is within and must be imputed to ourselves. 3. When, under the guidance of the law, we have advanced thus far, we must, under the same guidance, proceed to descend into ourselves. In this way, we at length arrive at two results. First, contrasting our conduct with the righteousness of the law, we see how very far it is from being in accord with the will of God. And, Therefore, how unworthy we are of holding our place among his creatures, far less of being accounted his sons. And, secondly, taking a survey of our powers, we see that they are not only unequal to fulfill the law, but are altogether null. The necessary consequence must be to produce distrust of our own ability, and also anxiety and trepidation of mind. Conscience cannot feel the burden of its guilt without forthwith turning to the judgment of God while the view of judgment cannot fail to incite a dread of death. In like manner, the proofs of our utter powerlessness must instantly beget despair of our own strength. Both feelings are productive of humility and abasement. And hence the sinner, terrified at the prospect of eternal death, which he sees justly impending over him for his iniquities, turns to the mercy of God as the only haven of safety. Feeling his utter inability to pay what he owes to the law, and thus despairing of himself, he rethinks him of applying and looking to some other quarter for help. 4. 
But the Lord does not count it enough to inspire reverence for his justice, to imbue our hearts with love to himself, and, at the same time, with hatred to iniquity, he has added promises and threatening. The eye of our mind being too dim to be attracted by the mere beauty of goodness, our most merciful Father has been pleased, in his great indulgence, to lure us to love and long after it by the hope of reward. He accordingly declares that rewards for virtue are treasured up with him, that none who yield obedience to his commands will labor in vain. On the other hand, he proclaims not only that iniquity is hateful in his sight, but that it will not escape with impunity, because he will be the avenger of his insulted majesty. That he may encourage us in every way, he promises present blessing, as well as an eternal felicity, to the obedience of those who shall have kept his commands, while he threatens transgressors with present suffering, as well as the punishment of eternal death. The promise, Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. Leviticus 18.5 And corresponding to this, the threatening, The souls that sinneth it shall die. Ezekiel 18.4.20 Doubtless point to a future life and death, both without end. But though in every passage where the favor or anger of God is mentioned, the former comprehends eternity of life and the latter eternal destruction, the law, at the same time, enumerates a long catalog of present blessings and curses, Leviticus 26.4, Deuteronomy 28.1. The threatening attests the spotless purity of God, which cannot bear iniquity, while the promises attest at once his infinite love of righteousness, which he cannot leave unrewarded, and his wondrous kindness. Being bound to do him homage with all that we have, he is perfectly entitled to demand everything which he requires of us as a debt, and as a debt the payment is unworthy of reward. He therefore forgoes his right when he holds forth reward for services which are not offered spontaneously, as if they were not due. The amount of these services in themselves has been partly described and will appear more clearly in its own place. For the present, it is enough to remember that the promises of the law are no mean commendation of righteousness, as they show how much God is pleased with the observance of them, while the threatening denounced are intended to produce a greater abhorrence of unrighteousness, lest the sinner should indulge in the blandness of vice and forget the judgment which the divine lawgiver has prepared for him. Thanks for listening. In the show notes, you can find contact information and a link to the text from today. Remember to heed Paul when he says in Ephesians 4.29 to Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers.